There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Sadly through. Oh, it's incredible. You could not write a script like this. Good morning, and welcome to episode 475 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the BaseballReference.com Play Index. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller. Hi. It actually is morning this time. Um, we are recording on Friday morning because we we have a guest. Uh, it's it's World Cup season. Many of our domestic listeners are excited about the United States victory over Ghana earlier this week and the upcoming match with Portugal on Sunday. Our 11 listeners in Spain are distraught over their team's early exit from the tournament, but probably excited about the coronation of of King Felipe VI. Uh, This is not a podcast about that, about the Spanish monarchy or about soccer, but there are things that baseball could learn from the structure of soccer, or so contends Will Woods, uh, contributor to Baseball Prospectus, former guest of Effectively Wild, former co-host of Effectively Wild. Hello, Will. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, so I have known you for almost 20 years, and I have to say that you have changed. When we yeah. when we first met in first grade, you were a Mets fan, and that much is still true. But you were not, to my knowledge, a soccer fan. And at some point in the intervening decades, you became one. Uh, by the way, would it be okay with you if we refer to the, the beautiful game as soccer for the duration of this podcast? Uh, yeah, it's okay with me. I, I didn't know that I was still a Mets fan, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you, you dabble and despair. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. <laughs> so we'll call it soccer. Apologies to our international listeners. So how did your soccer conversion occur? Well, yeah, it's true. I used to be uh, a red-blooded American, like the rest of you. <laughs> um I think soccer has a few advantages that are undeniable on baseball and sort of inarguable, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make it better. But the advantages are basically I know when it's going to end and I can schedule the rest of my day around it. The other advantage is that every highlight is different. Every goal is organic to itself. It comes about in a totally unique way, whereas I've seen every home run that's ever been hit and I've even had the privilege of, you know, seeing it from the catcher's perspective on the balls that I wish had gotten to my mitt. Um, but more importantly, I don't think it's the idea of watching these guys kick a ball around uh, that is so much more appealing than watching a ball get thrown and hit around baseball field. Um, every game is important in soccer. They've managed to construct an environment where there's always something important happening. There are new competitions, whereas baseball kind of gives you one long slog, which we've romanticized over the years, but ultimately I feel that the consumer experience is lacking a little bit. And I just kind of, you know, as I watched baseball and I watched uh, Zach Wheeler throw a complete game shutout last night, um, which was great, um, and, a, and, you know, a rare highlight for a Mets fan, but I feel like there, there are sort of ideas kind of swimming around that, could maybe make this game better, and soccer's kind of got a few of them that we could get into. 
Okay, so first we'll ask you about one that we get asked all the time. Probably one of the most popular Effectively Wild listener email questions is about relegation in soccer and whether relegation would work in baseball. We talked about this once years ago, probably the first time we were asked, and then we've ignored every subsequent question about this, but we will ask you about it while you're here. So do you think that there is a way in which relegation could work? And I guess maybe you should explain what relegation is for some of our listeners who might not know. Yeah, uh, well, relegation is basically if the, the top finishers in the minor leagues get promoted up to, if you win, you know, if you're the best team in AA, you'd be in AAA the next year. If you're the worst team in AAA, you would replace the championship AA teams and, and play in AA the following year. And theoretically, a team could go up from rookie ball to become, you know, World Series champions one day if they got promoted so many times over. Um, has, has, has either of you guys heard a convincing practical argument for relegation in baseball? Can't say that I have. No, they're. I mean, yeah. the. I mean, the. I don't know that you need to have. I don't need. I don't know that you need a practical argument for it. It's the. All, but there are a lot of practical arguments against it. I mean, it's just uh, as far as. Um, scheduling travel and and all those sorts of things. It it's a very complicated thing. You know, baseball is a uh, since it's a daily thing, and uh, there's I don't know thirty teams, and it becomes very hard to. I mean, you know, they don't have stadiums for minor league teams, for instance, that could handle major league parks. And if you had a major league park that suddenly became a minor league park, it would be just disastrously bad economically. And so the scale between major and minor leagues in baseball is too difficult, I think. But, I mean, the the argument for it is pretty simple, just how to execute it, right? Yeah, it's, it's how to execute it. And, and frankly, I've, I've not heard an argument for relegation to baseball that makes any sense to me whatsoever. I think we could have it in basketball because the minor league infrastructure doesn't exist. We could maybe have it in hockey where there's less of one. But the minor league system is so ingrained in, in baseball culture that I just think it's there's too much inertia there. There's no way to get this thing rolling. And yeah, as you said, it would be disastrous if uh, if, if City Field suddenly turned into a AAA stadium. Um, actually, no, that already has happened. Sorry, and it is it has been disastrous. But um, but yeah, I, I just don't think. I think whenever people think of what what Europe can bring to baseball, relegation is always the first thing because it seems like such a cool thing. And wouldn't it be great to have competition among you know couple hundred teams instead of just 30 I, I don't think it makes any sense i don't think it's practical i, I don't i don't like the idea either well the rays will be happy to hear that because right now they would be at risk of being relegated although in their case they might be better off if they were relegated it might be a better fan experience in durham than it is in tampa bay at tropicana field um, just wait, wait 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 i'm curious um because the, you mentioned the rays and the rays last year were basically like you know arguably the best team in baseball or yeah. or so and this year they they would be the worst and that so in soccer uh does does the uh uh do you hear this does anybody hear this <laughs> i heard that <laughs> <laughs> that would be a three-year-old singing uh <laughs> Uh, do do teams' fortunes change as quickly and as arguably flukily as they do in baseball? I mean, do you have situations? Is it conceivable that you would actually lose a really good team to relegation 
on the strength of one fluky bad year, or is the team that's usually being relegated upward or downward, is it the result of, you know, years of basically performing the same way? I wouldn't call it a fluky bad year, but I would say uh, Newcastle United has been an institution in English soccer, and they recently got relegated uh, a few years ago, and they've since come back and, and are basically a middle-of-the-pack middle team now. Um, but it is, like we've seen, like if you're following the World Cup, uh, Spain has lost its first two games, and it looks like their run of international dominance is over. It's really the product of years of bad decision-making that finally come to fruition in one fell swoop, and these teams corrode very quickly, and suddenly there's nothing you can do about it because you got a bunch of old guys that used to be able to get it done, and now suddenly we're a triple-A team. Uh, so I think, you know, that's not exactly what's happening with the Rays, but it, it does, there is a, there is a comp there, certainly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if relegation wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily work for baseball, what do you think would work? What are your suggestions or takeaways from soccer that could be applied to baseball? Well, one thing right off the bat is, can we get some goal line technology on the walls and on the foul poles? Um, <laughs> I feel like if you hit a ball 400 feet, you deserve your home run shot and not have to wait between first and second to actually see while they go and ask New York City if it was a home run or not. <laughs> that is just one right off the bat that I feel like we should have knocked out five years ago. Um, more importantly, it's a tough one though because you've got you've got fans reaching over, so you'd have to find a way to deal with that. Yeah, but I'm talking about I'm talking about like the yellow line on the wall thing, mm-hmm. which is the most distracting, impractical, like does nothing feature of MLB stadiums that I could ever think of. Um, and foul pole stuff, we should be able to we should be able to handle that business pretty mm-hmm. pretty easily. Um, more importantly, though. We were saying before, probably the biggest disadvantage of of baseball is that the regular season is a six-month slog. And one of the things that soccer does to break up the monotony, well, the relative monotony of the regular season, is they have a domestic cup, which is basically a mid-season tournament that has nothing to do with the standings of the regular season that involves all the teams on every level, from major leagues all the way down to rookie ball, where they play each other in a single elimination knockout tournament. I think this would be one of the coolest things that we could ever bring to baseball. Are you guys kind of following what this would what this would entail? Yeah, that, that's, that sounds interesting. I've, so basically the idea is this. The MLB teams get a buy into the later rounds. But starting in April, you've got rookie ball teams and A-level teams uh, taking a few days off here and there to play one another to advance in this tournament. And as we get into June and July, the MLB teams start to get involved. And then you've got major league teams playing double A teams in, you know, maybe after three series or whatever. Um, And, you know, the MLB teams can choose which players play for which affiliate. That creates the possibility of showcasing some top prospects on national TV how does uh, how does Byron Buxton fare against uh, against top level opposition? We can find out via this tournament. Um, it could shed light on some new strategies of handling pitchers. If you're the Cleveland Indians and suddenly you've got to go uh, play, you know, the Toledo Mudhens, how do you juggle your rotation? Do you do a staff day? Do you break out the uh, the newfangled idea that I know you guys have talked about the uh, the three inning rotation idea? Um, 
you know, these are all kinds of new things that can just just break up the rhythm of this of this season a little bit and give us something give us something new. I think it's something that certainly I'd like to see, and I think it's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've we talked not that long ago. Ben and I talked about. Um, well, I talked about Ben. Listen to me rant uh, about how we've gotten to a place where every pitch that's thrown at the professional level exists to advance the parent club's chances of winning the World Series at some point. And um, I'm I don't know whether that's good or bad for the game. I mean, on the one hand, it turns the sport into like a uh, you know multi-layer sort of game where you're She's singing again. I wonder why she sings only when I talk, when I unmute. <laughs> Hang on a second. Okay. Uh, so on the one hand, it turns it into a um, you know a sort of more complex game where you're thinking about multiple layers of, uh, of competition all in the pursuit of one goal, or if it just turns everything else into something that's kind of boring and that all these players uh, in the minor leagues stop having kind of their own identity and all these teams stop having their own identity, and they only exist as sort of appendixes um, of the parent club. And so, so like when what you're describing would be really good for minor league baseball, but um, would sort of clash with the determined strategies of all the major league baseball clubs, which is the the cash cow in the sport. So, uh, I guess that would be the challenge, right? Is trying to figure out who the sport is supposed to serve. Is it supposed to serve these 300 minor league cities at all? Or does it exist to serve the 30 teams that are, you know, creating a $6 billion industry that supports everything else? Yeah, it's, it's an ideological shift to a degree, right, that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I mean, my hope is that, first of all, you can negotiate a separate TV deal because you've got a completely separate competition. So hopefully, and plus it's the same number of gates for the owners, so theoretically we can make up the money uh, within this term. Um, so that satis- that would hopefully satisfy the owners. Then you say, okay, uh, now the minor league teams are obviously completely on board with this, and they're independently run. Uh, people, I, I, I guess I feel like the average fan may not realize the autonomy with which these minor league teams act. Obviously, they don't make transactions on their own, but this is something that I think would make baseball kind of a the grassroots game that that it really ought to be and most importantly i think the fiscal i think you i think you break even on a tournament like this as opposed to the regular season and hopefully generate some fan interest across the country in the process i mean obviously you'd want to see uh miguel cabrera playing in las vegas right so Mm -hmm. that's my that's my pitch for that yeah i could see i could see owners being into it you'd have to find a way to convince the players to do it because they wouldn't have a whole lot of incentive oh, to play extra games. Well, I didn't actually, but I will now. How can we convince well, the players? Uh, I can convince the Detroit Tigers to go to Las Vegas because if they win, if we play a three-game series over a weekend or even or during the week, obviously you have to win those first two games. And if you win your first two games, you don't need to play the third game. That means we get a day off. And day off, days off are rather precious in this game during the season. I would, I would venture that these players would play pretty hard to earn a day off over the current, over the current structure of, you know, we can go a whole month playing a game every single day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that would seem to me to be a to be a pretty good incentive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Could could work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Got anything else? Well, I think uh, speaking of days off, mm-hmm. you know, Ben, uh, Ben, Sam, Ben must be our our punching bag for every single rant we've ever had about <laughs> baseball. And he just sits there. He just sits there and takes it. He goes, yeah, no, I think that could work. I think that could work. Uh, one one thing I've I've ranted at you about many times, mostly over chat, mercifully for you, um, mm-hmm. so you can ignore it, is the idea of weekend doubleheaders and more, which would create more weekdays off. I'm talking about split gate doubleheaders on Saturdays that give the players more weekdays off on the premise that A, it's the same number of gates for the owners, so it's the same number, it's the same amount of money. And B, I would rather work one 16-hour shift at my job than two eight-hour shifts where I have to commute two extra times. Um, This is something that I think is really... On a Saturday, I can schedule my day around baseball. On on a Wednesday night, I don't get home and feel crushed if there's no baseball on. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's all in the name of, of breaking up the rhythm of the season, like I said before, and just giving giving us something different and making baseball feel like more of an event. Um, this is, you know, baseball on the weekend is a much more pleasurable experience than I would argue it is, you know, just... On a, on, a, on a random Tuesday night in July, um, I think, and I think the players would go for it. More importantly, mm-hmm. and you've also been a proponent of the seven inning game. Oh, I wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I had that written down. But <laughs> do, you, do you think we can? Do you think, do you think that even passes the smell test? I mean, I would love those doubleheaders to be two sevens. Yeah. And you you mentioned that the night one of the nice things about soccer is the uh, the fact that you know how long it's going to go and that you can. Exactly block that out so are you except anti- for the injury time except for the mysterious injury time but um uh are you uh are you anti extra innings in baseball no not at all oh, okay. uh, i think i think no i think i think certainly there are some things that are that are endemic to baseball that you just can't you just can't take away and i would never take away uh hashtag weird baseball from from anyone i wouldn't want that to go away ever mm-hmm. um, uh Okay, uh, so the next thing I wanted to know is um, that the World Cup, what we're watching right now is, of course, um, you know, pool play, so it's not, uh, and now my phone's ringing. This whole thing is weird. This is a weird episode. Uh, forget where I was going to go. Oh, yeah, so soon it's going to be uh, knockout style, right? And um, so I wanted to know if... That's ridiculous. <laughs> Unbelievable. Control your offspring. That was my that was my father. It's the opposite. Oh, and he's a listener. He should know better than to call Three you. Three generations of Miller's ruining this episode. It's not. I mean, this has not been my best episode either. So I really feel like our negative WPA for this episode is is spread pretty evenly across the family. Um, do uh, does the best team in soccer win uh, more regularly in a one game? setting than the best team in baseball how does it compare between like sort of baseball and football as the kind of outer extremes or bas- uh, isn't basketball the the like the most the the sport where the the winner wins most often because of how many it, points yeah there are? i think or, that, it is, although, or tennis yeah, 
but only in but yeah but only in college basketball do you ever have a like there's no nba equivalent of a one game playoff uh which i guess tech you know technically there is in baseball and also with the world baseball classic so that's why i left out basketball but yeah basketball is even is even more extreme and of course the ncaa so anyway in that spectrum where does where does soccer fall all I can tell you is that baseball, or sorry, basketball is the least random on a one-game, on a one-game sample. NBA basketball, that is, uh, and then soccer is far more random. Where I think, the, I think I saw the other day that the favorite is winning like 54 percent of the time. So, do so soccer is, fans consider it weird to play one-game, essentially one-game do-or-die tournament-style games, or is it just accepted that randomness is part of life and and we like this? Well, actually, in the domestic cups, the way they do it, um, in England at least, the different countries have slightly different rules on this, but, they'll, but if there's a tie, they don't go to extra time. They just schedule a game at the other team's place next week and replay the, and replay the game. Oh, that's so, nice. I like that. Yeah. And that, in the old days, that used to keep going and going and going. Like, they didn't go to penalty kick. They would just keep scheduling it over and over and over again. So you'd have teams in, like, the seventh round and then, you know, a mile over in the other in the other team stadium, you'd have a team playing a third-round game for the 18th time. And then they finally decided that maybe this was a little bit ridiculous and we should just go to penalties. Um, yeah, nobody likes penalties, and they'll kind of do everything they can to avoid it, mm-hmm. basically. So uh, can you envision a time when the, the WBC attains World Cup level, uh, you know, excitement peaks? I mean, is it, is it the structure is similar, right? Can you imagine that one day it will, it will be as big or anywhere close to as big or bigger than it is now? Do you like the WBC? Well, I think we need to keep uh, we need to keep sending Justin Verlander over to Poland to show little kids how to throw a baseball every December. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I guess that's that seems like our plan to 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 grow baseball globally. It seems like it's kind of a hundred years down the line because what we're what we're really talking about when you ask that is not anything really to do with the World Baseball Classic, because structurally the World Baseball Classic is almost exactly the same as uh, soccer's World Cup. The problem is that we have no context for this event. In soccer, you play your domestic season with, with your club team, your professional team. You occasionally take a little time off from that to play your domestic cup team uh, season, you know, tournament with your, with your professional team. And every now and then, they'll squeeze in a weekend where there are no club games. You have to go and play for your international team if you're, you know, if you get called up to that team. Baseball mm-hmm. has no infrastructure along those lines. There's nothing. The, the, the international game is, does not exist to the point where there's any reason to play, you know, qualifying games for the South American Cup, you know, on a on a random weekend in August. That that just doesn't exist yet. Uh, soccer has a whole network of, of sub-tournaments besides the World Cup. There's qualifying for the World Cup. There's qualifying for the European tournament. There's you know the South American Cup and the North American Cup and the European one. And every tournament in between. And every country is kind of bouncing around going to these, to these various tournaments and competitions. Baseball has none of that. Mm-hmm. And it's you know we're we're so in the nascent stages of growing the game internationally. Baseball is the most inculcated provincial game in the world, 
that actually has some mass appeal in a in a given country. Um, they're so far behind the eight ball on that that as much as I love the World Baseball Classic, I just I don't see you know it seems like it would take a hundred years for us to give the event the context it deserves. Hey, is soccer getting more popular anywhere besides the United States? I mean, I know it's like the most popular sport in the world, and it has been forever and, and all that, but are there other parts of the, the, the world where it's growing the way it is here? And have there been any changes to the sport, really, in the last 40 years that would account for that, if so? Uh, well, I don't think it can really get much more popular outside of this country than it already is. So, I so think like... Any- so like uh, like like it's always been as big as it is in you know Qatar and it's always been as big as it is in you know Korea and it's not like all all the the countries in the World Cup have been you know soccer mad for as long as you know Brazil has. Uh, maybe not for as long as Brazil has, just historically, because I think I think Europe brought it there a little bit before it brought it to every everywhere else. But yeah, I think I think soccer's problem, and this is sort of baseball's problem in this country as well. Um, soccer on a global scale has been so dominant for so long that when you ask, has it made any changes in the last forty years? The answer is strikingly familiar to baseball, which is no. We have been they've been so dominant in their market that they are recalcitrant about making any changes because why bother? We have no competition. There is nothing here. Um, Suddenly, basketball, maybe some other sports are trying to cut into soccer's soccer's foothold around the world. Much in and you know, obviously, football has kind of blitzed the uh, sorry, American football has blitzed the competition here and just come out of nowhere to overtake baseball in popularity. Will that happen? Soccer? That's way out of my expertise. But yeah. It's, it's an interesting comparison between between baseball and soccer in that way. I just remembered one one more old, effectively wild listener email about soccer where someone asked us whether loans would work in baseball, player loans. Can you explain, I mean, what's the incentive for the two teams involved when a player is loaned, and would it possibly apply in baseball? Yeah, the, the, the transfer system in general in, in baseball is a really interesting concept, and it's basically exactly, it, it works pretty much exactly along the lines of how every Japanese player comes over to this country where you bid a certain amount of money, and if it's accepted, then you can negotiate terms of the deal. But if you don't come to an agreement with the player, you don't actually pay the transfer fee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the loan, so then the loan structure is basically any time, there are two situations where you'd loan a player out. One is we have a really good young player who needs to get some first-team experience. And so we would loan him to a lower division, and obviously that doesn't work in baseball because we have, that's what AA is for, mm-hmm. uh, right? So you progress up, and eventually you get to the big club and see if you can hack it there. Um, and then like Travis Darno, we, you know, we send you down, and you... <laughs> You've had your numbers in uh, in the Las Vegas pinball machine. Mm-hmm. Um, the other reason is that you have a veteran player who to whom you're paying quite a bit of money, but he isn't good enough for the first team. And certainly that is a situation that many clubs find themselves in. Uh, so you would loan you would loan that guy to a team where he could play first team 
first team baseball. That's a weird, weird <laughs> turn of phrase. First team baseball. Um, but where he would be in somebody's, uh, in somebody's rotation or in somebody's bullpen or in somebody's lineup. And you can, uh, and that team would agree to take on a portion of the salary. Or in a lot of cases, they just take him on for free just to have him, just to clear his roster spot and get somebody else in there. Um, that is a situation that I think baseball could really use. That seems like something that would, you know, that, that would be really beneficial to, to both parties. I, I see no reason why we couldn't have a, a situation like that in this game. Mm-hmm. All right. So last thing, uh, give us your prediction for Sunday's match and your, your prediction for who wins the World Cup. Uh, I've been screaming that since the draw came out that we're going to we're going to defeat Portugal. I see no reason to uh, to back off from that right now. But I will say that uh, you guys really everyone needs to watch the World Cup. Uh, we are basically taking our third tier athletes. It's like arm wrestling the rest of the world using nothing but our pinky fingers, and we're going to defeat them anyway. Um, it would be the greatest possible fu to the rest of the world. And I, I think if you can't get behind that. I, I question how American you really are. Everybody should be watching. Wow, that is a this is this is definitely a new sentiment for this podcast. We <laughs> just changed our international relations policy dramatically. Uh, so are you are you calling the U.S. victory then? Not only Sunday, but in the tournament. Uh, yeah, we're gonna win the whole thing. Hmm. Okay, bold. Ready? Um, get ready, America. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, people can follow you on Twitter at I am Will Woods, where you will be tweeting your your match analysis as the World Cup continues, as well as your your occasional Mets analysis and your your pithy observations about life. Uh, yeah, it's a mostly Travis Darno related Twitter. Basically, <laughs> lately you condemned the word inbox as a verb, and you condemned the hashtag long form. As Wait, most... how would how is inbox a verb? <laughs> Who have, you, have you have you never heard someone say inbox me? Are you serious? <laughs> no. Oh my god, I'm I read not. it. Oh, I feel like I read it every other day. It's ridiculous. We have so many words for message me, email me, text me, inbox me. It's insane. Wow, and it drives me nuts. My, well, it was worth it anyway. So my least favorite is efforting to effort as a verb. I hate that oh. one. It's <laughs> a bad one. And I'm with you on long form being a self-congratulatory term. I loathe, oh I loathe yeah. long form. Yeah. It's just an article. We have, we, long form. we have words for that. It's a feature. It's an article. It's a column. You don't, you don't need to specify that it's long. Um, all right. Well, thank you for, uh, for joining us. Thank you for delighting our international listeners. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're thrilled. I, thanks for indulging my pie-in-the-sky fantasy. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, one announcement. There are a couple Baseball Prospectus events in D.C. this weekend. As soon as I put this podcast up, I have to go to D.C. There is one tonight, Friday night, at 7 p.m. Uh, it's sponsored by the Politics and Prose Bookstore, but it is actually across the street from the Politics and Prose Bookstore at Jake's Bar and Grill, it's free. You don't need tickets. You can just show up and talk about baseball with me and and many other members of the BP staff. There is uh, the address is 5018 Connecticut Avenue Northwest. There's also an event before the Nationals game t- 
tomorrow, Saturday, which is sold out. So you, you can't get to that one if you don't have a ticket. Although there is a secondary ticket market going on in the Facebook group right now. Um, but you can talk to us at the baseball game, which we will also be staying for. And it's a good matchup. Doug Fister versus Julio Tehran, Nationals Braves. Uh, so I will put the location of our seats in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Effectively Wild if you want to stop by and say hello. Please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com, subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Sean Foreman recently added game length as a searchable term, so you can search for long games or short games or 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 average length games, if that's what interests you. And please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Email us at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. And we will be back with a new show on Monday. What does it sound like if I talk like this? Uh, nothing, nothing different. It sounds, sounds robotic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're very close to the microphone. I'm very close to the microphone. I've actually the microphone is literally in my mouth, literally okay. in my mouth, underneath that's the roof good. of my mouth. That's exactly the way. That's exactly the way I want it. <laughs> <laughs>